Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by Three Lions Pub, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. From the NWSL, MLS, U.S. national teams, and all the way to the youth levels. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. Yeah, and this is Simon Provan. A very good day to you, Simon Provan. The week treating you well so far? Yeah, absolutely, Baxter. It's uh, you know a little crazy up here in Wisconsin. I yeah. could have gone kayaking through my backyard yesterday oh my. with all the flooding we had going on, but uh, thankfully the basement is dry and, yeah, doing well. Well, good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Yeah, we've had some very torrential rains here in the the Midwest the last couple of days, so for those wondering why we're talking about Simon losing his basement in Wisconsin, it's, that's what we're talking about. So <laughs> it's a, it would make sense for me down in Florida or something with a hurricane or something like that, but we've had some flash flood warnings and all yep. kinds of crazy yep. stuff here, but... Uh, that's why I live in a condo, so I live on the second floor. I don't have to worry about any of that. But Simon, the homeowner here, has had to uh, prevent him, his daughters and his dogs from washing down the yes, street, exactly, basically. Right. But so far, no casualties at the Provan household. What well, was crazy, though, Baxter, is it went from flash floods yesterday to being a beautiful day where actually my daughter and I went out on the lake. and Holy did some ki- We actually did some kayaking oh, and paddleboarding and took a walk today on this gorgeous day. But you got clouds rolling back in, then they roll out, then they roll back in. So it's... Uh, yeah, all four seasons of a single say, day in Wisconsin. It seems like Wisconsin, so yeah. we're, we know we're in the right place then. Well, we, uh, we've got a lot of fun things coming up today. We've got two great interviews for you today. Uh, Josh Hakala of the Cup.us will be here a little bit later uh, to fulfill Simon's U.S. Open Cup urges <laughs> that we haven't really talked about too much. Uh, but Josh will be here later in the program to talk about the quarterfinals that are taking place right now. A couple of games already in the bag, a couple of games still yet to come as well, too. So we're excited to have Josh back on the program as well, too. And then the uh, the big interview that we're very excited about, uh, Houston Dash and U.S. Women's National Team midfielder Morgan Bryan will also be on the program with us coming up in just a little bit as well, too. Before we get to any of that, though, we do remind you, of course, for those that like to listen to our show, you can find it on iHeartRadio, on Spreaker.com, and on iTunes as well, and also on our website, the number 2UpfrontSoccer.com. Two yeah, check us out on Facebook. Just type in 2Upfront in that little search bar. We'll come up. Give us a like. Give us a share. It only takes a few seconds if even that of your time, we'd greatly appreciate it. Of course, you can find us on Twitter as well. For the show, it is at 2UpFrontSoccer. And for our sometimes controversial Twitter handles, <laughs> at Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. Simon's been getting into it, apparently, with some people on Twitter. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say getting into it, but... Uh, 
some stoke, interesting responses. Stoke in the fire. Stoke there in the you fire. Go. Something like go. that. But, well, either way, if you want to know what we're talking about, you can check out Simon's Twitter, as you mentioned, at Simon Proven. I'm at Baxter Colburn. Uh, try to keep my tweets. Uh, I, don't really, I don't really tweet as often. I try to tweet about work that I'm doing, but uh, general opinions, I save them from when I'm actually on the air. I've always been one of those people I feel like I'm better at expressing my feelings via voice instead of trying to type it out on a, either in an article or a phone or something like that. Well, and of course, the challenge with Twitter is that 140-character limit. True. But but it's actually good for me because I can go on tagents. So, it's, so to be limited to 140 characters... I've done a show with you for two <laughs> years. I know I know what that's like. We've got archives of Simon just going at it. But uh, all right, well, we're going to do the kick around first, Simon. And we haven't touched a lot of the international soccer in a long time, but rightfully so. It's transfer season right now. So anybody that's a fan of basically any of the top leagues in Europe is just glued to their their devices waiting for updates to hear about the great big signing that they have now. And you, as an Everton fan, uh, receive some good and bad news, depending on, I guess, how you Depend view. Depending on how you look at it. Depending uh, on how you look at it. What's going on with Everton Well, right of course, now? Everton has gotten Wayne Rooney on a free transfer. Interesting. Uh, which was, uh, you know, where he started with his with his Premier League mm-hmm. uh, career. Uh, great thing, if you're an Everton fan, him scoring in a preseason game against uh, a Kenyan Kenyan club so they they they're, they're, they're oh uh, doing a tour of Kenya apparently wow um i think that's where it's in the the club at least is based in Kenya 15 time Kenyan league champion oh Baxter. My. i can i can make an attempt at the name here it is Gormai FC if i've said that wrong which i probably <laughs> have i apologize but 30 yards out Wayne Rooney on the run, receives a ball from one of his teammates, uh, makes a move, puts the ball to his strong foot, his right foot, and blasts it into the goal. Now, to be fair, I think if you're playing against the better keeper, keeper may get a hand on it. True. Uh, keeper that, that uh, went for the save. It didn't seem to time it too well. But what's cool about this is Wayne Rooney scored from about the same point on the field when he was 16 playing with Everton also in true. his debut goal. Very symbolic, so, I feel like. So, uh, you know, he has he has insisted that he did not go to Everton to retire. He's there because he wants to continue to try to play for England. And, uh, hmm. listen, he got a big money deal from China, as all the yeah. superstars do these days. And um, he said no. He wants to continue to play in the Premier League. And if the if there's one club that he would like to play with besides United, it would be Everton. Makes so, sense. Uh, and much respect to United saying, you know what, you've done great for our club. We're going to grant you the wish and allow you to do a free transfer to Everton. Yeah. So, so and good I, on them. And it's good to see, obviously, that, that full circle coming back, I guess. I mean, I've seen graphics and tweets and other things of like you know Wayne Rooney other people are saying well he left a boy and his return a legend basically sort of a thing which is very true absolutely I, mean, I don't know if anybody really could have guessed the collection of trophies Wayne Rooney would bring back with him to Everton after when he left at such a young age you always have high hopes for young players that are talented but you never really know until you see now in their career that full end product yeah he's one of those that lived up to the hype I mean Manchester yeah. saw Manchester United saw a, a great deal of potential in him and uh whether he's playing for Manchester United, whether he's playing for England, he has stepped up to the plate almost every time. You're right about that. Well, speaking of Manchester United, they do now have a new addition to their forward lineup. Right, and of course, that comes from Everton, Romelu Lukaku. Mm. Uh, as an Everton fan, I'm yeah, he was great because he scored so many goals. At the same time, Baxter, what uh, some people fail to realize is that most of his goals did not come against the top four, top five teams. Um, and that was always a major disappointment yep. with Lukaku. Uh, and on the flip side, too, if you're looking at the money line, 
Something like 28 million pounds is what Everton paid for Lukaku okay. when he was on loan from Chelsea and they, they eventually bought him on a permanent. Yep. Uh, well, they sold him to Manchester United for 75 million pounds. That's a so pretty good that's, return. That's a great return on your money. You can't be mad about that. And that's the thing, though, too, is that I feel like Everton is the smarter of the two clubs, in all honesty, because when's the last time, maybe aside from a young Wayne Rooney, have we seen a Ford really dominate on the top of the lineup for Manchester United? Ibrahimovic was fun and he was flair a little bit, but he didn't ever really do a whole lot. And I mean, Ronaldo was a forward, but also a wing as well, too. But those guys had good pockets, and then they left. You don't see a long, tenured forward running through Manchester United, I feel like, anymore, like we used to maybe almost a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku definitely has the potential to be that man for Manchester United. The thing you have to wonder is uh, one of the reasons he works so well at Everton is he was the point man. He was right. the man at that club. Well, now you've got a lot of other people, including Pogba, that... Uh, Want the ball. In a roundabout way, yeah, you're competing with on the exactly. field. Um, so does does that affect his play? Do we see an outpouring of goals from Lukaku? Or are we going to have see him have to adjust to the way Manchester United plays and perhaps that goal-scoring production isn't there? Right. For those that play uh, Premier League fantasy football, I'm assuming some of them will be very excited to take a guy like Lukaku and say, well, he's got a good cast around him. Of course he's going to get the ball. But like you mentioned, when you've got so many other superstars on your roster, it's sometimes harder to score goals. You'd like to think, well, I've got the best players in the world serving me the ball. Well, those guys want the, want the goals and the glory as well, too. Exactly. So you have to be careful with that. That's why somehow, some way, Ronaldo and Messi have still found good success, even though they've been surrounded by really great players. But it's all about the cohesion. I feel like Manchester United has struggled with that the last couple of years. Well, we should continue on with Manchester United, Baxter. You yes. had talked about a quote from a certain individual popping up in the news lines today. Yeah, as we had mentioned earlier, talked about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, he's come out and said that he will be making a very big announcement soon. It will be huge, apparently. He's been watching too many Donald Trump press conferences <laughs> or something. But He's building a wall? Uh, he's building a wall, maybe. I don't know. It's a big announcement. He probably could. He's got the money to do it, in all honesty. <laughs> right. But uh, for those that know, he has been linked to AC Milan and also, of course, to the LA Galaxy. But there's been really no determination yet of where he's going to go. He's also recovering from surgery, uh, and he's not expected to actually be fit and ready to go until about Christmas time as well, too. So I'm a little concerned and confused about what big announcement, because if he joins a club, my first thought is, well, if he joins MLS, he's useless until next year, because if he's not good until Christmas time, what good is that doing? Maybe it's LAFC or somebody that's saying, hey, let's sign you, because when we come in the league next year, maybe something like that. But aside from that, you had mentioned off the air maybe China, but at the same time, Christmas time, still, if you sign a player and you're starting a new season, you know, whenever you're starting your season, August, September, that's half the season gone already by the time yeah. you would maybe get him. And what makes me wonder about how big this announcement could be, if if this announcement is coming tomorrow, is that what you read? No, it's it's coming soon. It's coming is what soon. He said. Okay. Yes. Well, by this point, most of the leaks are going to happen. Yeah. We, we'd have some type of idea of what this huge news is going to be. Um, is it MLS and, and, and MLS and him have this agreement of nobody's going to say anything until he gets to say something? Mm. Uh, but even then, usually that, that somebody purposefully leaks that news to get the gravy train going of as course. far as uh, people following that Let's news. Let's get excited. And, and the Galaxy 2 have just signed a right back in uh, Peel Van Anholt or Pele Van Anholt. Um, but it, going back to Abramovich... <sighs> It just makes me wonder how big this news actually is. Is it really big? Is I mean, 
I mean, Could he actually be retiring? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing because he the, he sustained a, a knee ligament. Is injury. he going into coaching? Maybe we don't maybe, know about that. That's the thing. Maybe he's gonna. I, I was just starting to th- up his own club. <laughs> I was trying to think the other day too. I was like, who is Sweden's national team coach? Is he maybe going to take over as the national team coach for Sweden, or could he go coach a, a, a bigger time club somewhere as well too? But he's thirty five years old. We saw last season in spurts. He still has talent. I really think he does, in all honesty. I think he can still score, but suffering a knee ligament injury is something that definitely, it's one thing to be an in-shape 35-year-old. It's another thing to be a 35-year-old that's recovering from knee surgery as well, too. So how effective can you really be? Right, and of course, many people out there will say, well, it's Abramovich. He's still going to be... Uh, of course. He's going <laughs> to be effective until he's dead in the grave. He's going to be trying to still score goals. I mean, yeah. It's an interesting move, honestly. I, I a lot of speculation, of course, but no official confirmations. Maybe he will go back to AC Milan. Maybe he will come to MLS at some point. Or, like you said, maybe it's something totally out of left field that maybe nobody's thought of, and that's been the goal the entire time is like, hey, look over here, but actually I'm going to go do this over here and completely blindside everybody. So you never know. Well, speaking of blindsiding, Baxter, we actually hadn't talked about this one, so I know we were planning on talking yeah. about it, but I was just reminded, Danny Alves, oh, some wow, controversy going this. on there about Manchester City. It looked like they were going to sign him from, well, basically not even from Juventus. He was released from Juventus. So, again, this would be a free. But it looks like PSG has swooped in and actually uh, gotten his signature. Well, PSG, I feel like, is one of those clubs that every big player... If you're not rumored to PSG at least once in your career, you're not doing something right. You know, like if, and that's not to say that, you know, guys like Messi or Ronaldo's careers would be a failure, but that's just kind of like the joke now in the transfer season. It's like, all right, how much supposed money are they going to get from an unknown outside investor so that way they can finally sign Messi or Ronaldo? But a guy like Danny Alves is a little bit older, but still very effective. He was very helpful for Juventus last season. He's had a great career through and through. And now he takes his talents to France, which, let's be honest, the French League. It's kind of a joke because it's PSG and then falls Yeah, off a I feel bit. like back in the day there was more competition. Maybe it wasn't better, but there was there was more competition in the league. He did he was in Paris on Tuesday apparently going under a, a medical already. Um, one of the things that we do know Baxter from reports is that the assistant sporting director is good friends with Danny Alves. Always helps. So it you wonder helps. if that was the uh, the thing that really was the yeah. Well, for a bad cliche, nail in the coffin for the deal? Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Danny Alves is a is an attacking outside defender and is also a strong defender as well, too. I mean, he's not as, not as vicious as Pepe has been, I feel like, with those ridiculous tackles and bone-crunching movements that he gets on and off the ball. But I think Danny Alves is still a very talented player, and I think he's going to bring good success to the back line for PSG, who continues to still be what it seems to be like a piece or three or four away from finally winning a Champions League. Well, and it well. seems like you know PSG certainly likes to have the Brazilians on their uh, on right. their roster. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, another big notable name as well, too, Simon. Uh, goalkeeper Joe Hart uh, went on loan last season from Manchester City uh, to Torino in Serie A and did a fairly decent job for Torino. Sounds like he's going to be back in the Premier League, not for Manchester City, though. It does not appear that he is part of Pep Guardiola's plans long-term. But he still is on the roster because this is going to be another loan move. It's not confirmed yet, but West Ham United are in the final stages of securing a loan signing for the English international Joe Hart. An interesting move because considering that West Ham, last time I checked, has got a pretty decent goalkeeper. I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now, but uh, they had a good run with him the last couple of years. But when you got a shot at Joe Hart, uh, who's a pretty good goalkeeper through and through and only 30 years old young, I mean... Why not take a shot at him? Yeah, for a goalkeeper, thirty years old. That's uh, that's 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 a goalkeeper's prime right there. Yes. You know, if, if we're talking about an outfield player, well, now they're coming possibly to the end of their career, or maybe coming off of their prime. But for a goalkeeper, this is when you want them, Baxter. Exactly. 
And, uh, you know, as you said, West Ham is – they're looking to do bigger things. So to, to get a goalkeeper like Joe Hart in there, yeah, it's – that, that could be very helpful in their back. You're absolutely right about that. So we'll have to keep our eyes out for other international news as it happens. Of course, there's been numerous other deals here and smaller deals there as well, too. So Yeah, the last one we're going to talk about, though, real quick, is Rodriguez going to Bayern Munich on yes. a two-year loan. You usually don't hear that back, so it's, it's really usually a one-year loan deal, but it actually is signed off as two years. I think this is a great move for Bayern Munich. They need it. They've got an aging midfield. Uh, Rodriguez comes in. uh, You know, you you team him up with some of these younger midfielders in there. You know, who who knows how long you can uh, depend on Ribery, uh, Robin. You know, these two guys are both near mid-30s, if not already. And, uh, you know, you're you're starting to see them, not not Robin so much, but definitely with Ribery, you're starting to see him slow down a bit. Right. Rodriguez, this could be a great move for him, could be a great move for Bayern. Right, exactly, and especially with a younger guy like Douglas Costa as well, too, uh, moving from Bayern Munich to Juventus as well, too, on loan. So that opens up a a possible space as well, too, for James Rodriguez to take over some extra playing time. So we'll have to see. I'm excited to see, though, of course, uh, what these transfers do for their teams because it's always great to have the big pomp and circumstance to say, oh, look at all these great players we signed, but you don't ever actually know how good some of these players really are. Until the season actually kicks off. So. Yeah, it's all about that gelling. It working is. Working into the system. Absolutely. Are you gelling? I'm gelling. I'm gelling. Dr. Schultz. <laughs> all right. We're going to run to a break. Uh, we've got much more in store for you. Stay tuned. Morgan Bryan and it's Josh Hackler huge, are huge. around the corner. It's going to be tuned. a huge announcement. Back with more right after this on 2 Up Front. Back here on 2 Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Stepping into the world of NWSL here. Uh, Before we do that, a quick reminder, of course, you can find all the information you need to know about our show by going to our website, the number 2upfrontsoccer.com. And we're also on social media as well, too. If you want to follow us, tweet different things at Simon to fire him up or just tweet at me just to think if I still have a Twitter that's active. I do. I do tweet. Don't, Don't think that I don't, but... Uh, just not as frequent as Simon does with his tweeting, I guess. So. Yeah, I, I go in streaks. Like I'll you be, do. A, I'd be yeah. on Twitter for a week, sending out stuff, and then I'm gone for a month or so. People are like, "Where's Simon going?" I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I think Somebody, it's more like, "Thank goodness, Simon." Yeah, guys, like, shh, Twitter's quiet. It's not a bad thing. All right, nobody stoked the fire. No one stoked the fire, and then somebody does, and it's like, "Oh my gosh, here we go." Yeah, again. yeah. All right, well, uh, some NWSL scores and storylines to talk about. Draw, draw, draw. Yes. <laughs> the Boston Breakers uh, honored Tony DeChico on Friday night, July 7th, uh, with a scoreless draw against the Chicago Red Stars. Honestly, with as good as Chicago's been playing recently, that's not a bad way to honor Tony DeChico, is to not lose. That's the best thing you could probably do. <laughs> yeah, well, what a story. I mean, uh, you know, I remember watching the 99 World Cup. Actually, I remember watching the... Let's see, it's every four years. 95 World Cup wow. with the women. Um, if I remember correctly, that was against Norway, and that's when it was U.S. and Norway were like the two top women teams. Wow. And, and, uh, uh, but anyways, you know, Tony DeChico, what, uh, not just on the women's game, but US, U.S. soccer itself, he's left a huge footprint. He's done a lot of great things, and from everything that I read, he was a – I never met the man personally, but, but a gentleman – 
Mm-hmm. Uh, willing to give his time to everybody. One of the things that he was known for in the early days was actually helping U.S. media that didn't really know the game of soccer well. <laughs> He'd actually sit in the press box and explain to them what was going on in the field. Interesting. So I how feel, cool is that? I feel like sometimes we should still do that, in all honesty, just because... Uh, I, I'll get into this when we talk more about the Gold Cup later on, but uh, Alexi Lalas was on um, The Herd with Colin Cowherd the other day and just listening to the interview, and somebody was filling in for Colin Cowherd, but it was annoying to hear how they were asking the questions about what soccer is and everything. So anyway, um, one of the other games that took place, uh, a battle back and forth. It was the Mallory Pugh versus Marta show with Washington and Orlando battling to a stellar 2-2 draw. Marta struck first, then Pugh scored second, then Marta scored again, and then Pugh finally was like, no, enough of this, and got a penalty kick in the 90th minute to force a 2-2 draw, but an exciting game. Well, you had wondered from the get-go, how would Mallory Pugh actually do in yeah. this league? And she's uh, she's shown us quickly, Baxter, that it's like she's been playing in this league since year one. Right, and I think it does help, obviously, and we've talked about this, I think, a couple of times. When you play at the national team level and you're a consistent starter or, in general, consistent cog in camp, you're going to learn a thing or two, and you're going to be able to play at a higher level than some of these other NWSL ladies that have never had that opportunity for their respective national teams. And I think that's why Mal Pugh has done a great job so far. Yeah, you know, and one name that we haven't mentioned in a while that, uh, well, at times we've taken a task, but Christy Mewis, you know, yep. she, she played a, a good game as well, and, and she was the one responsible for, for getting that penalty kick for Washington. Uh, near the end of the game, Baxter. Yes, indeed. Quickly through the other couple of scores before we get to the big one. The Courage got a 2-0 victory over Seattle. That was a, a huge win for the Courage, and that have won four out of their last five. Still in first place. Sky Blue were down 2-0, game, Simon. And they sure were. Sam Kerr was like, enough of this, and put three goals in in a span of 12 minutes to not only earn NWSL Player of the Week, but I think NWSL Player of all time. That was <laughs> an amazing feat that I don't think even FC Kansas City, or even Sky Blue for that, honestly, have really let set in, even though that was a couple of days ago now. What a great game. What an well, amazing performance. Yeah, it, it, Just amazing, too, Baxter, how quickly those three goals came. What was it? A, I think it was 12-minute period. 12 minute period uh it looked and that's the crazy thing is how late in the game it occurred i mean yep. it, it looked like that uh kansas city had this game wrapped up i checked the score i forget when i did it but i checked the score i think right was right before halftime and i saw that it was 2-0 and i was like oh well all right that's dis- this is gonna be a disappointing game for sky blue because we had sarah killian on last week and i was like well i'll check the score see if sarah's done anything or right. anything like that uh, and then i saw it was 2-0 i'm like well whatever but i checked the score when i got home a couple hours later and I saw that it was 3-2, and I was like, wait a minute, what happened? And then I checked the box score, Sam Kerr, Sam Kerr, Sam Kerr. I'm like, aha, this makes so much more sense now. But what an incredible performance, though, from her. Well, and just a couple of quick stats here, Baxter. It actually pulled her in a tie then with Megan Rapino mm. for uh, leading the league in scoring so far. But it also gave her 35 career goals, which put her ahead of Jess McDonald. Oh, for uh, most goals in NWSL history. That's a big thing. Uh, now, one of the things people are pointing to, fair enough, is that she did this with... Um, Kansas City only playing with 10 players because, of course, Shea Groom got that red card uh, (laughs) at the end of the first half. But, again, it took Sky Blue quite a while to take advantage of being uh, a player up, but what a way to do it. No kidding. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, the final game that we need to talk about quickly that uh, almost uh, was a a needed victory for a team that's been looking for one, uh, the Houston Dash 
we're leading the game, uh, and we're up early thanks to an eighth-minute goal from Janine Becky, and then a goal in the 91st minute, a stellar, stellar free kick yes. from Lindsay Horan sinks which, the Dash's hopes. Which actually earned goal of the week Rightfully by so. the NWSL. And there was actually afterwards, too, I'm sure it's all sorted out now, but Ellie Long and Megan Klingenberg got into a very heated Ooh. heated. Uh, discussion, you could say, afterwards. Interesting. Uh, Christine Sinclair was kind of just roaming around watching, seeing <laughs> where this was going to lead. What's going on, guys? And uh, a few people that apparently can read lips were saying that what you could see Ellie Long saying was, please calm down, don't yell at me. Calm down, yeah. don't yell at me. I, I think it was an issue of marking, obviously, if it's between defenders, that's usually what it is, or a midfield defender. Well, uh, let's be honest, though, too. Portland has been less than stellar these last they have five to seven games, in all honesty. Well, so, look at their Very still disappointing. Si- still sitting outside of the playoff picture. Uh, you know, part of the reason is is they, they are, and they're going to be missing a few players due to international call-ups. Yep. That's one of the things when in this league, when you have a stock, stacked roster with great international players, Baxter, is at some point you're going to lose them because of all the international games that happen, even when NWSL action continues. Right. So Portland, yeah, they've got a game in hand on uh, on Sky Blue, but they're sitting in fifth place, three points behind Sky Blue, a point behind Seattle. So Portland's really got to pick it up here at some point to get back in the playoff picture. A big blow for uh, Houston as well, too, is the 92nd-minute red card handed out to Carly Lloyd as well, too. So you don't like to see a red card handed out, of course, at any time, but especially when the game is basically over as well, too. Well, and uh, a lot of controversy this weekend in the NWSL with referees. referees. So, you know, (laughs) I don't think there was a single player, a single coach, a single single executive not afraid to say how bad the refereeing was this weekend. Yes. Uh, but all the cards that were handed out have been upheld by a disciplinary committee. Of course. Uh, one of the things I found out is there is no appeal process oh, really? for a red card I did not in know the that. NWSL. Interesting. I did not know that. So the, the disciplinary committee will look at it, but you can't officially go to them and say, we don't agree with this call. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, aside from that, uh, friend of the show, Sarah Hagen, actually got a couple of minutes in this game as well, too. She got in for just a handful of minutes there towards the end. But uh, looking at the NWSL standings right now, North Carolina, of course, still sitting on top of the league, as we mentioned, when you win four of your last five games and continue to just be a dominant force. They're three points clear of second-place Chicago Red Stars. Sky Blue with that big victory now set in third place at 22 points. The Rain are in fourth with 20. The Thorns are in fifth with 19. Orlando in sixth with 16. The Dash in seventh with 14. Kansas City in eighth with 13. Boston also with 13 points at ninth. And uh, the Washington Spirit have 12 points uh, for last place in the NWSL. Well, and I know we're going to talk about this with uh, Morgan Bryan, but it's impressive what Houston is doing. They it lost. Is. They go from losing six games in a row to now being on a four-game unbeaten streak. That certainly helps. And you hate to give up that last-minute goal against Portland, and you hope that doesn't carry over now into the next game. But but still, to uh, to finally draw uh, against a decent team like like Portland gives you some high hopes for Houston. You're absolutely right Especially about with that. the injury issues they've been dealing with as well, Baxter. And that's the big thing, too, I feel like. When you have a, a, an absence from a player like Hile Ojai that just takes away an entirely different dynamic of your roster as well, too. So I'm curious to see uh, what the Dash can do moving forward now. As you mentioned, it's four-game unbeaten streak. They obviously have not all been wins, but still, when you don't lose four games in a row, that's, I think, better than losing four games in a row. I think a lot of people would take you know a couple of draws and a win or two as opposed to losing four games straight. So yeah, of course. can't be mad about that if you're a Dash fan. Uh, we are going to run to a break. Morgan Bryan will be here with us at the other side of the break, so make sure to stay tuned for that. We'll be back with more here on Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub, after this.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Got a chance to dive into the NWSL a little bit uh, in our last segment, but uh, now we get to move forward with uh, one of our great interviews today as well, too. Uh, we've got two great ones. As we teased earlier in the program, uh, Josh Hakala of the Cup.us will be here a little bit later on to talk about things going on in the U.S. Open Cup. But before we get to Josh, we get to jump into the NWSL again, Simon. We, we've already had so many fantastic interviews throughout our time here on Two Up Front, and today we get to go back down to the Houston Dash uh, and talk to a player that has definitely helped change the face of this entire franchise. She was the number one overall draft pick for the Dash as well, too, uh, and now she joins us. She represents the U.S. Women's National Team as well in the midfield. It's number six, Morgan Bryan, and she joins us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. A very good day to you, Morgan. Welcome to Two Up Front. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Morgan. We are thrilled to have you on the program today. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we know a couple of weeks ago, obviously, there was uh, the injury that you had picked up, and you're still working back a little bit more. But uh, how, how's the body feeling? Are we going to see you on the field soon again for the Dash and the national team? Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, the past two years, I feel like I've had um, quite a few injuries. And, you know, as a player and an athlete, I, I know it's something people battle through all the time. But, you know, I didn't really have any injuries. Previously, I was, I was blessed to, to not have any. So now I'm, I'm learning the process, my body, and um, and how to go about those things. So I feel good. Uh, it's just it's a difficult thing to manage your body when you get injured during season and, and trying to play catch up through uh, the the difficulty of this league day in and day out. And, and obviously, every weekend you're playing a really tough opponent. So I feel good. I feel better. I'm trying to get right on um, right on track and, and back with the team because. You know, I, I hate being on the sideline, but hopefully we'll, uh, I'll be back on the field pretty soon. Well, speaking of getting back on track, we were uh, we were just talking about how Houston was on a six-game losing streak, and then uh, now you've been on a four-game unbeaten streak. Granted, you haven't been on the field for a few games because of the injury, but uh, obviously one of the reasons Houston has turned things around is Jane Campbell has been playing out of her mind and goal. But what else do you see from your perspective that is uh, that has gotten Houston back on track? Well, personally, I think it's a lot of things. Obviously, Jane's play has been crucial, but I think a lot of players have stepped up, and and you know we've had a, quite a few changes off the field and on the field, uh, personnel change lineup formations, you know, a lot of things have been changing. So it's hard to kind of credit just one one thing, but also a mentality change and, and a shift in that regard. But, you know, I think we have some good home games too here, and, and that's always uh, a plus for us is playing in this heat and, and the weather here in Houston and, and just being able to stay home for three weeks and not have to travel. But I think it's been great for us because, like you said, we were on a losing streak and, and no one – in this league or on our team likes to lose. So I think finally we're, we're changing our mentality and, and trying to compete for 90 minutes and, and string together more than just one half, uh, especially in this league. It's so important, but I think everyone's been doing great and we've all stepped up in different ways. Absolutely. Well, speaking about that as well too, Morgan, uh, as you mentioned, competing for 90 minutes, uh, your team competed for 90 minutes this last week, but it was in the 91st minute, unfortunately, is when that uh, game-tying goal came right. from a uh, national team teammate of yours, Lindsay Horan, a stellar free kick that uh, won goal, goal of the week as well too, but you know, talk a little bit about that result. Obviously, of course, it has to be disappointing. Then Carly Lloyd goes out with a red card as well just a minute later. How do you take that result and then package that and then look forward against uh, as you take on Washington uh, this upcoming week? Yeah, I think there are a lot of positives from that game. I think first half we played some really good soccer and we just didn't convert our chances. But I think also going back to playing full 90-minute games, 
uh, putting two halves together. I thought we weren't as great in the second half, and we knew that. And I think uh, to win games in this league, you have to you have to play two full halves. And like that, something like that will happen where they they finish a free kick in the last you know two minutes of a game. But I think there's a lot of positives to take away from it. I mean, it was we limited their chances on the defensive end, and offensively we created we created enough to win the game. So I think we we take the positives, we move forward, we work on what we need to in training, and uh, in order to beat Washington this weekend. I'm talking with Morgan Bryan of the Houston Dash and women's national team here on to Upfront on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. Morgan, coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, it will be the Tournament of Nations where Brazil, Japan, and Australia are all going to come to the U.S. to play a little tournament uh, with the U.S. women's national team as well, too. Uh, I personally have yet to see a, an official timetable released uh, for your injury. Do you have any idea if you're going to be back in time? Has Jill Ellis spoken with you? Uh, and in general, how do you feel about this opportunity for this tournament for the national team? Yeah, in terms of my timeline, obviously, I'm, I'm trying to get back on the field and, uh, and healthy. And, and I think, you know, I've had multiple conversations with, with Jill and, you know, she's kept in touch with me and my progress. But at the same time, it's just, and how much I'm going to play before the, the tournament. And obviously, she wants to select me, um, in terms of that. And if she feels that I can bring something to the table for the team. But, uh, I do think that this is a great tournament for, uh, whoever gets invited and, and represents the United States because, it's three of the best teams in the world and, and three great teams that will challenge us in different ways. And so I'm really excited for the team in general and, and, and also for uh, the fans because I think these are going to be three awesome games for uh, United States fans to watch and, and fans all over the world. I think it's going to be a fun one for, for this team going forward. Uh, in the bigger life picture, Morgan, you know we have uh, we, we're here in Milwaukee, and we actually we're, we're blessed to have quite a few of our uh, local listeners tune into the show, and a lot of them do have younger kids. And uh, you know, just I'm going to cheat here and look at Wikipedia a little bit. <laughs> um, but obviously, you've had quite a stellar career. Uh, but it didn't start out so easy with you being cut uh, from your first time trying out for an ODP team. So I'm wondering if if you have any advice for youth players out there. Um, obviously, you've had a lot of success in your career, but as I said, it didn't didn't you you know didn't start out that way. So what would you say to these young kids out there who maybe are struggling, but they really want to continue on with this game? Yeah, I think. For me, you're right. In the beginning, I was compared to my friends and my teammates. I wasn't among the best of them. I was probably, I think, the only one cut from my club team in the ODP tryouts. There wasn't even a state team. It was, you know, they had three different teams for the state, A, B, and C teams. So I didn't even make one of those. And all of my teammates did. So that was a really tough time for me. But looking back on it, and my club coach and I talk about it all the time, if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know if, it, if I would be where I am today. I think not making the team drove me harder to work and, and pursue my dreams and really commit to it. And so I think if that didn't happen, then, you know, I think the valleys are kind of the things that you have to go through and, and something that will uh, make you work harder and appreciate everything. And I think for me right now, too, is you're going to go through the hard times and struggle. And But those are the things that you kind of see character and also things that you really want to work for and I think you absolutely need those times where you struggle because I think on the other end of it you find success and uh, especially I mean for me that's what I've experienced and you know the next year after I didn't make the ODP team I made the state A team the region team and the national team and uh, the next year so for me it was the hardest year I've probably ever worked and I don't think it probably would have 
happened if I didn't have such a letdown and not making that RDP team. Yeah, and I think there's always that one moment, I feel like, in every player's career, several moments sometimes early on that define whether or not they give up on, on their career and look to something else or fight harder as well, right. too. And obviously, Morgan has been able to, to overaccomplish that as well, too. And it's so interesting to see the, the, the way that women's soccer continues to grow as well, too. Uh, I saw a girl this morning wearing a full Alex Morgan jersey, not just the jersey, but also the shorts nice. as well, too, for the nice. national team. Just walking around, <laughs> and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I've seen others with Crystal Dunn jerseys and other people as well, too. We've seen a different events but it's great to see that women's soccer continues to grow and these younger girls have these players to look up to as well too but uh, Morgan last question for me at least uh, I, I'm wondering there's been this talk around NWSL the last couple of weeks uh, is obviously we're in year five of the league uh, about the thoughts and the the ideas of whether or not coaches and players would ever support or want to have an all-star game and the MLS All-Star Game is coming up here in the next couple of weeks down in Chicago I'd love to get your thoughts on it just to see I know that there's numerous theories and different ways that people are like, oh, it couldn't work, oh, it could work. But from your from your thought processes, you've seen other all-star games and other professions as well, too. But what are your what are your thoughts about that, just out of curiosity? Well, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it until uh, so you just asked that question. But I think it would be uh, a great idea, especially if it's run the right way and, and, you know, it could be a part of another event that would be really successful and, and obviously honor the, the best players for that season in the league or you know from each team and and i think it would be a great event uh in the future and something that i would probably love to play in yeah absolutely i I was just curious like i said it's been something that has started to to gain a little bit of traction on social media and other uh women's soccer circles that i that simon and i have been a part of and i just was curious to to get the the thought process from at least uh, a couple players as well too so just thought just appreciate the uh, the insight on that as well too yeah, last thing, yeah, Mark, no don't really have a question for you. Just want to wish you luck this weekend. You're playing against a uh, Washington Spirit team that's also finding themselves, of course, when you got players like Mallory Pugh scoring a couple of goals. Uh, it's going to make for an interesting game. So best wishes this Saturday taking on the Washington Spirit at 730. Yes, absolutely, Morgan. We uh, appreciate you taking the time to stop by two up front today and certainly wish you a speedy recovery, and we look forward to seeing you back on the field for your club and country as well, too. So thank you for taking the time on two up front today. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk to Morgan Bryan soon. There goes Morgan Bryan on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We've got so much more in store for the show. Stay tuned. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub.
Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. Yeah. And this is Simon Provan. Special thanks to all of our guests that join us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We just heard from Houston Dash and U.S. Women's International Morgan Bryant, her debut on the program. So we wish her a speedy recovery and a big thanks as well, too, for stopping by the two upfront airwaves today as well, too. Simon, it was good to hear from her. She had a lot of good answers and definitely seems uh, very excited to come back from injury sooner rather than later. Of yeah, course. of course. Absolutely. I loved her answer, too, about dealing with adversity. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's always the, the people who are successful backs are the ones who can look at a struggle and say, all right, how do I overcome this? How exactly. do I learn from this? How do I push myself? How do I motivate myself? Rather than look at it and going, ah, man, well, I, you know what? I'm just done with that. Right, exactly. And sometimes when you sustain injuries or you sustain cuts from teams, uh, people's immediate response is if they don't have success right away, they're just like, well, that was fun. Gave it my best. I didn't make this one team. I'm nine years old. I might as well quit and go be a lawyer right. now. It's like, right. really? I'm like, where? <laughs> you need to face a little bit of adversity so that way you can actually, you know, rise above in that regard. So. Right. Uh, Speaking of some adversity, the United States almost found themselves in a pickle last night. The headlines have been far than favorable towards the United States, even though they won last night. A 3-2 victory uh, for the United States. I've seen some headlines that have basically said that this was a lucky game for them, that they scraped out a victory, all kinds of different things, even though they did lead 3-1. But then, of course, that late goal made it 3-2, and some folks were a little concerned. Well, they were up up 2-0, and and Martinique actually came back and drew 2-2. So Jordan Morris had to put that third goal in right. to, to win the game. Um, so that was that was where a lot of the uh, comments were coming from. But the biggest thing, Baxter, is that this Martinique team is made up mainly of amateurs. Now, I did tell you in, in, our, in our preview of the Gold Cup, though, um, I misspoke. The Chelsea player is actually for French Guiana, which... Uh, oh, Guiana, yes, Maluda. Which, that's big controversy there, and I don't know if we're going to touch that today. Uh, but Martinique, look, they beat they beat Nicaragua. Granted, Nicaragua hasn't been that great, but they beat them 2 nothing to start out the, uh, the yeah. tournament. Um, you know, they, there are a few professional players on that Martinique team. The U.S., okay, look, I get it. I get that it's their B team for the most part. They've got a lot of young players on here that, that haven't played much, but you still have to show better than what you did. Brad Guzan letting in the goal that he did on Martinique's first goal. Yeah, I know the ball took a little bit of a crazy bounce, but Brad Guzan gets a hand on on that ball. You you can't let that go in the back of the net. You have to be able to handle that. Um, Jordan Morris had a good game, got in the right spots, obviously had a couple of goals. I was a little surprised by the defense, though. Lehigh had a decent game. He had a decent game, but Martinique was finding holes in that defense left and right. What I get tired of seeing, Omar Gonzalez, who can be a stellar player, Mm -hmm. but most of the time that we saw last night him being stellar was him trying to make up for a mistake. You know, he had a lot of times where players would get past him and then he'd finally speed up and and slide slide tackle to win the ball. You know, great, but I want to see him win this ball. I want to see him stop a defender from getting past him so that his heroics don't have to be him making up for a mistake. Here's the big thing for me, too, is that I feel like, and I've been guilty of this, we've all said it as well, too, that we keep the United States keeps going back to saying, well, this is our B team. I, I get that, yes, on paper, well, yes. Well, it's this very is our, much not even just on paper, it is. Team, but for me, the way at least I view this, that you're playing an international acclaimed tournament. I don't care if it's your B team or if it's your U17 team. This is the team that you brought. You are expected as a country to perform at a high level. I don't care who you brought out there. When you're playing at an international level against other international teams, this game has to mean something to you. And the fact that 
we keep some people keep going back to the fact like well it's only our B team like so so what are we saying then well like, part of part of what we're saying though is that these guys haven't played together before of course um, you know arena did come out and say before the tournament look we we don't we want to win the tournament, but we don't need to. There's nothing on the line here. And I, I know people say, well, wait a second. No, because if you win both Gold Cups, then you go to the Confederations Cup. Right. First of all, there may not be a Confederations Cup. Also true. Uh, because this would this one plays in the 2022 Confederations Cup. And since that's going to be played in winter, who knows what FIFA is going to do with the uh, Confederations Cup. Yeah. Uh, so so part of this is, is that the U.S. players have not been together that long. On the flip side, however... You're playing Martinique. Right. And yes, I did say as a preview statement, watch out. This team could be dangerous. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Um, Kevin Parsman, who scored two goals last night for Martinique, showed why you do have to be a bit wary of this team. Yes. Um, they, they do have some good players, but part of that is nobody was really scouting Martinique because there's not much footage of them out there. Um, Point blank, the U.S. does have to do better. Yeah. They have to do better. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing for me in all this is that you, you can't expect to play a team, a bunch of amateurs, when half of the United States roster right now is touted as being some of the best in MLS or some of the best rising stars. And you've got all that pressure on you or all that loud and circumstance following you. You should blow a team like Martinique out of the water, not barely win. See, that's, that's the one thing I'm going to disagree with. I don't think you necessarily have to blow them out of the water, but you you do have to show up and yeah right. what and they I, have 68% and I'm not saying this needs to be like a 5-0 scoreline they could have won 3-1 or you know a convincing even like if they were to have been a convincing 3-2 victory no but right but what what I'm saying is is that's just it. it's the way it's played there there was not much control in the midfield and actually right. Kellen Acosta the last couple of games I'm going to be honest Baxter has been very disappointing he was mm-hmm. one of the guys I was really looking forward to seeing in a US jersey uh, he's playing errant balls all over the place uh, first touch has been failing him so it's it's been interesting to see that with Kellen Acosta. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one, too. I mean, I'm looking at the starting 11 last night. Uh, you see Guzan, Hedges, Gonzalez, Justin Mora, Liak, as you mentioned, Christian Roldan, Acosta, Zardes, Ariola, Agadello, and Morris. And I, I've heard Juan Agadello get kind of crucified back and forth. Bedoya came in as a sub. Dax McCarty and Chris Pontius all came in. No Jorge Villafaña used in this game. Uh, no Dom Dwyer. No Dom Dwyer, no Kellen Rowe, Joe Corona, Matt Miazga. Arguably a far better lineup than what was on the on the actual field. I feel like uh, from a substitute to actual starting eleven perspective. So I'm a little worried about that. Why would you not yeah, put I'm, in a, a hot Dom Dwyer right now, or even a Kellen Rowe who's been very instrumental? With well, the that's that's part of going back to Bruce Arena's comments. He's trying to give as many of these young of players field time as possible without feeling like he's risking everything. Right. So you know, so and you make eight changes from the first game to this game, you are going to expect some inconsistency yeah. in the play, but not as much as you saw on the field uh, for the U.S. team. Right. Uh, Ariola. I don't know where his shot was last night, Baxter. He he was he was misplaying balls as well, but some of these shots that he was taking on goal were were all over and the place. And he was supposed to be one of these great players that people are like, look, Paul Ariola spent time in Liga MX. Like he's he's a good young player. Well, and I think he is. You see the potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, maybe you know, do you mark this down as as simply the team's too young? That you quite know? possibly. At the could same be. time, you look at this and you think, okay. If it's a U23 Germany team, what's this gonna game? What's this game gonna look like? Right. You know, talk about blowing somebody out of the water. I think you do see them blow Martinique so. out of the water. Right. No, I think that I think that's absolutely the case, and that's the thing too. I mean, Germany brought their B team and destroyed an A team, Mexico, in the Confederations Cup four one. Like, 
That's that's every country is different when it comes to the depth. I get it. If we had the same system that the Germans did in the same pool and blah blah blah, like of course, whole another conversation. But fact of the matter is, is that our pool is getting better for the United States. It is getting better. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm beating a dead horse, and I, I think a lot of it just goes back to the fact that these guys have not been playing together for a long time, yeah. and, and for a lot of these guys being younger players, trying to adjust quickly to each other. Uh, you're not seeing that. That's one of the biggest things lacking is these guys knowing where one of their teammates is going to be. Exactly. I mean, you look at the standings right now, and it kind of is a reflection of how wide open this group still is. The U.S., of course, sits on top. Uh, you've got Panama tied with them right now with four points. Martinique is only one point behind. So in a sense, I mean, Martinique could beat Panama in a sense. If the U- and depending on what the U.S.-Nicaragua does, Martinique and U.S. could go through. Or, God forbid, a, a draw or something could somehow change the entire course of the tournament. Well, don't forget, it's the, the top two teams from each group go on, and then the best third, uh, place third the, the two best third-place teams go right. through so as Martinique, well. So Martinique, in a sense, might still be good no matter what. They may still go through. I, the U.S. is going to go through. I, I'm pretty sure Panama will go through. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Nicaragua... Uh, they're, they're basically dead in the water. But, of course, that's the next team that the U.S. has to face. They play them Saturday. Um, I believe it's at 7 o'clock in Cleveland. So the U.S. has got to be careful here now. They're going to be taking on a weak opponent. You hope what you see is a very hungry, mm-hmm. not only hungry U.S. team, but a team that actually puts more than two passes together. Right. That's the big thing. I mean, there's there's no reason that at this point in the in the game, I get it, as you mentioned, it's one thing to not play with another team, but at the same time, if you're just trying to connect passes, a very integral part of what soccer is, I mean, you can go to a, a Wednesday night pickup game and connect five or six passes with guys you've never played with if you've got the soccer sense. I mean, these are professionals. You'd like to think they should be able to put it together a couple of passes against an amateur team in a sense. Yeah, and that's just it. Is Again, you're playing against amateur players. Now, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few of these Martinique players end up in USL, NESL. Uh, I, I don't so. I don't know if we see any end up in MLS, but um, but it's not like these guys were horrible players out there, too. No. Give Martinique credit for surprising a lot of people and actually being better than people expected them to be. I mean, granted, not granted, I'm, I'm glad the U.S. came out with that 3-2 win, but... We should never be sitting there biting our fingernails wondering, oh boy, I hope they pull this one off when when you're playing a middle like Martinique. You're correct about that. So as you mentioned as well, the United States will take on their final group game against Nicaragua on Saturday. That game is at 6 p.m. Central Time uh, on ESPN. No, Fox Sports 1, I believe. So make sure to go check it out on that respective channel. No, actually, it's on FF. Nope, not even that, Baxter. It's on FXX. What? It's on FXX, yep. What is that even? Never even heard of FX. That's one of the. F-X-X. That's one of the. Uh, Fox like more Sports of a movie. Extra? No, no, it's not a. That's not even a Fox Sports programming channel. It's more of like a movie <laughs> movie channel. Oh my gosh! So they they'd once in a while put a game on FX. But actually, the good thing is when they had games on FX, that is in more homes than FS1 it's is. True. It is. So it wasn't uh, wasn't a terrible thing. I'm just looking here at if the U.S. does end up in second place, Group B runner up plays Group A runner up. So. U.S. could end up playing a Costa Rica or Honduras if they mm. end up in second place. That would make for a fun time, that's for sure. French Guiana, I, I do want, I'm sure most people have heard about this, but just in case they haven't, Baxter. Yeah. So they did play a player who had played with France, uh, 80 caps with France, but he hasn't played for them for five years. 
uh, Guadalupe, when they were in the Gold Cup tournament years ago, mm-hmm. they also fielded a player that had played with another country for five years, but it technically wasn't another country because of the way that these small islands are almost an extension of the country. Right. So Guadalupe was able to do that, or Guadalupe was able to do that with that player, but French Guiana was told um, that their game against Honduras basically wouldn't count because of uh, the because player. Because of Maluda. Maluda. Um, having been fielded in that game, and he was considered an ineligible player. So it'll be interesting. To, and, and French Guiana knew that that was going to be the result, but basically they were saying, you should be treating us the way you treated Guadeloupe. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't played for the French national team in five years, and that's supposed to allow him somehow or another to play for, to play for a colony or something. Basically, guess, or right. A province right. of. Because if you've got Martinique and French Guiana, they both use the French flag. Yeah, because um, their setup is a little different than what Puerto Rico is with the U.S. Okay, I see the, the whole political structure of how that all works. I right. guess I don't and, fully understand. Well, the biggest thing is that anybody born in Martinique or French Guiana are considered French citizens. Makes sense. Uh, so it, it's it's a mess, but in the end, I actually think this may be huh. <laughs> one of the best protest plays by one of these small. Yeah, that's very interesting. And then, of course, we'd be remiss not to talk about the success that Canada's seen as well, too, through their first two games. Uh, Everybody and their mother's raving about the 16-year-old that has just apparently been taking the world by storm, and people are saying he's the next Freddie Adu, and yada, yada, yada. Well, you don't want to be the next Freddie Adu. That's the thing. I mean, I'm like, if there's one person I would not want to be, you know, compared to, I would be be saying, please don't put me to that. But uh, Alfonso Davies apparently has been the man uh, for the Canadian national team as he has only 16 years of age. Yeah. But... Uh, playing exceptionally well, it sounds like. Well, him and uh, thanks to last night, Kevin Parsman for Martinique. Those two are your are leading the goal scoring hmm. in the Gold Cup, each with three goals. So yeah, Alfonso Davies is is lighting it up for Canada. And he, I correct me if I'm wrong. He plays for Vancouver, doesn't he? I could be wrong about that, but I, I want to say that he plays for the Vancouver Whitecaps. I, I think you're right. That sounds that sounds right. I was could be totally to wrong. Yeah, no, you're but, correct. Okay. Vancouver Whitecaps. That's what I thought he started six games for them. Uh, no goals on the season thus far, but uh, but he is definitely a starlet. Actually, it looks like. See, I don't know if he plays with Vancouver or if he's with their second team. VW2 in the USL. or W2 or however WFC2 is what they call it, right? Yeah. yeah. VWFC2. Ooh, that's a mouthful. A lot of. A lot of letters, a lot of, a lot of different things going on. But, uh, yeah, so it's good to see Canada having some success as well, too, right now. Uh, we'll, well certainly see what happens. On top of that, they're tied with Costa Rica on the top on top of their group. So they even ha- they haven't advanced from the group stage in the Gold Cup for a while back. So, yeah. so they get past this point, and it looks like they will. Uh, congratulations to Canada for doing something positive. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, El Salvador and Caraco and Mexico-Jamaica all get the field tonight, 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Central Time, respectively, for those two matchups. Uh, Mexico-Jamaica is going to be a fun one to watch. El Salvador shouldn't have any problems with uh, a small-time Caraco, in my opinion. Well, here we are talking about the U.S. B team and you know what is the depth like. Uh, you want to see better, especially when you do see a, a Mexico B team just tearing things up. Yeah, I mean, that's they're, the they're, big thing. Their 3-1 victory, um, it got a little scary for them, so let's let's not take that out of the equation. It, it did. Uh, who was it that they played? I was watching the game, too. It's killing me. Who did they, uh, who did they play, Baxter? They beat, they beat Caracas. Oh, no, El Salvador. El Salvador. They beat, they beat them 3-1. Yeah, I mean, El Salvador had drawn the game up minutes after Mexico had scored their first goal, and, uh, you know, El Salvador gave them a run for their money for, for a while, Anyways, until Mexico decided, wait a second, we we do want yeah. to win this game. Come on, now. Um, 
So, you know, when you're comparing these two teams, the Mexico B team versus the U.S. B team, listen, I'm going to be honest, it'd be ugly. It'd yeah. be ugly if these two teams faced each other tomorrow. It'd mm. be ugly for the U.S. I would agree with you. One good thing, though, too, the average attendance of these Gold Cup games is right around 33,000. So, Well, it wasn't huh. last night, I'll tell you that. Right. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. The average, what the average attendance is, apparently. Right. So. Uh, the biggest attended game so far was Mexico El Salvador with 53,000 people. Lowest attendance was Martinique Nicaragua with just 5,500 people that showed up. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I know there were 47,000 for the U.S.'s first game in Nashville, which is very positive. Oh yeah. For uh, when you're talking MLS, Nashville is pushing Nashville's hard. A great city for an expansion club. So of course that showed well for them. Doesn't surprise me that game happens in. I believe it was Miami last night for the U.S. I think so. And uh, not many fans there. No, Tampa Bay. That's where it was. It was oh, in Tampa gosh. Bay. Not many fans showing up for that game, Baxter. And granted, I realize it was against a weaker opponent. But we got to get to a point where it doesn't matter who the U.S. Yeah. is playing. People show up. Come out in droves. Yeah, well, definitely one thing to keep uh, hopeful thoughts on, I guess, moving forward. And the, and the main reason I bring that up, though, is Tampa. Obviously, they've got the Rowdies and the USL. Yep. But they're looking they're to make that to push jump to MLS. MLS. And that just that doesn't show well for you. can't support your national team. How are you supposed to support a club that has to have, a, what, a 20,000, 25,000 minimum seat stadium, right? Something like that. Uh, 20,000. But even now, 18,000 is minimum right now. But even still... But if you remember the, uh, the the stadium drawings we were looking yeah, at for Tampa, like there's, the there's, there's, yeah, a quarter of a stadium is gone. <laughs> I don't know what to think. And about I know that. why. I listen. People say, "Well, it's because it's on the water." I know that. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter. It looks like half a stadium is yeah. missing. It's very strange. I maybe I, I don't. I have no more. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that, honestly. So. And no room for expansion either. So if the club is successful and you right. want to make that stadium bigger, the only way is up. I don't know how that's going to work. I really don't, honestly. But uh, we'll talk about MLS and the All-Star Game actually coming up a little bit later on in the program, of course, as well, too, uh, when we wrap things up. But Josh Hakala of the Cup.us is going to be here next with us, so make sure to stay tuned as we talk a little bit more uh, about the soccer here in America, especially the U.S. Open Cup. Back with more right after this on 2 Upfront. Up front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Moving along with the program, some great content and information for you so far. Once again, a good thanks to Morgan Bryan from the U.S. Women's National Team for stopping by the program earlier as well, too. Uh, but now we get to get to the real mainstream guests that we have just been raving about, the fans have been writing in about, and we, Simon, know and love him as a great contributor to the soccer world. Absolutely. Of course. Uh, it is Josh Hakala of the Cup.us, and he's back here with us on 2 Upfront on the shopfutsal.com call in line. Josh, welcome back, sir. How are you? 
I'm great. How are you? Doing well. It's great to have you back on the program to talk, of course, about the U.S. Open Cup, which is now in its later stages. Uh, two of the four quarterfinal games have taken place. Uh, Cincinnati and Miami had their game postponed. But uh, let's talk briefly about San Jose beating the Galaxy 3-2 and then sporting Kansas City beating FC Dallas 3-0 as well. Uh, two games, of course, that I think uh, gave fans very different perspectives on where their teams stand. FC Dallas, of course, the reigning cup champion as well, too, so they are now out. Uh, what were your takeaways from these two uh, games uh, just a couple of short days ago? Well, it was nice to see the, the San Jose Earthquakes kind of get that monkey off their back with the, the Galaxy. They had never beaten the Galaxy before in, in the Open Cup. You know, they, they've been rivals for a long time, but uh, it was one of those those stats that, that you kind of forget about that, you know, like, oh, by the way, they haven't lost to it, but, you know, their rival in a long time or ever. And, uh, and so we, we saw that and I was like, boy, this is a, it seems like playing at home in front of a pretty good crowd that, uh, that should be enough to push them over the edge. And, uh, it was a pretty, a pretty entertaining game. And I, I kind of, I, I'm sort of undecided whether I like the fact that there are four games played on four consecutive nights. Uh, I, I kind of, I mean, maybe the organizational side of things is, uh, it, it's kind of nice to get it out of the way for, uh, for covering the tournament, but I, I kind of like that it get each game kind of gives its own, its own stage and, uh, and people can follow it if you're like a casual fan of the tournament or you're a diehard, like you, each game gets its own night. And, uh, in that Sporting Kansas City game was, was incredible. Like that was, uh, you know, we had, Went scoreless, and then you know, as soon as the the Icopara uh, injury happened, it just it was on, and and I think that was uh that was pretty exciting to see in the way that it just kind of the game turned on its head in front of in front of the home crowd too, which was which was kind of nice. So, but uh, yeah, some two really good games, and we could have had a, a really good one last night, but uh, I think like a year's worth of rain fell <laughs> last in Miami. Yeah, of course. I think that's the big one that everybody's waiting for, especially, uh, I know it's down in Miami, but after seeing FC Cincinnati take care of business against Chicago Fire and in front of uh, what a, great a massive amount of fans, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how many fans show up for the, Mi- Mi- uh, the game in Miami, but that's also been a nice storyline as well, you know, nearly 15,000 people out at that San Jose Earthquakes LA Galaxy game. Yeah, and that was a club record for them too. San Jose, I mean, they usually would either play they play at Spartan Stadium or some of the, they they play at different stadiums. They're one of those teams that that up until recently didn't own their own stadium, so they they would often go and rent a smaller stadium for an Open Cup game, which which makes financial sense. And and I guess from a marketing standpoint, it's kind of I I get it. You know, you you want to maybe get your team out to different communities and different parts of the city to, to give fans that maybe don't normally travel in, you know, to see the team, get a chance, get them a chance to see them. Um, so I, I, I like that, but now that they've got their own stadium, you know, they, they, and they've got a good thing going there. I, I think that was a, that was a great event. It was like 14, a little over 14,000, which, you know, for the middle of the week, yeah, that's, that's pretty good numbers. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, what a, what a great storyline in that San Jose game, though. With uh, uh, not so great because they they had a player recently almost drowned to death who's who's recovering well, but Mateus Silva, mm-hmm. uh, number thirty eight for the team, Wondolowski was wearing number thirty eight in honor of him. So it's great to see storylines l- like that work their way into uh, these Open Cup matches as well. 
Yeah, I know that the leagues typically don't uh, approve of star players changing their numbers, uh, <laughs> but I think maybe the fact that uh, this is a U.S. soccer uh a U.S. soccer event rather than a Major League Soccer event. Maybe that was uh, they were able to finagle that. So I, I thought that was great. I, you know, and I think that I think anybody who was watching that just kind of had a sense. They're playing at home against their rival. Got a lot of emotion going going into it, and he's going to score a goal, right? Of course he is. Of course, of course he is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's always the best part too. about that. I think is the storylines yeah. that can kind of get roped into things like that as well, too. But. I, I want to talk about FC Cincinnati, honestly, because they seem to have taken the soccer world by storm. I was uh, on Twitter during that Chicago Fire Cincinnati game, and it was amazing to see how many people were becoming and pledging their allegiance to FC Cincinnati, even though a lot of people were like, I don't know who this team is, but they just did something great, and everyone on Twitter is excited about it, so I'm going to cheer for them as now, too. So it, it's kind of funny to see things like that. But talk to us about the realistic expectations for this club moving forward, and you know, do they have what it takes to beat Miami? And do they have what it takes to to get even further in the tournament? I, I absolutely. I mean, it's the the Open Cup. Anything can happen, really. I mean, the fact that Miami is obviously the NASL champions, and they, you know, it's kind of like an offense, you know, the, a good offense against a good defense type of situation. Like, and I I just think that uh, that they certainly have a chance. Playing on the road is going to be tough, but then again, I mean, I think they might get like ten. 10,000 versus like 30,000 at the, the Cincinnati game against Chicago. You know, it, it's uh, it's going to be a, a bit different of an atmosphere, but I, I think that they, they could certainly do it. I, I, I'm going back to that Chicago game. Like I remember I was just talking to somebody who is in the, at my day job, who's uh, a soccer fan, but not like a diehard, but you know, we'll casually watch a game from time to time. And I was telling him about it. And I was like, you know, every time they put a soccer game on national television, it's just that there's part of me that goes, you know, just don't be a scoreless draw. Yeah. Just don't be like, just please don't let it be a bad game. And that was like multiplied by a hundred when it's a, it's an early round, well, I guess I would say earlier round, uh, open cup game on ESPN. The first time they've ever put a non semifinal or final on. And I'm thinking, please just be a good game. And it, you know, it was scoreless, but, it was that rare situation where it was like a good scoreless. Right, yeah. Like it was like an exciting well, scoreless. Absolutely. So it, it was, it was and I'll contend it wasn't scoreless. The ref got that offside call wrong, so it actually was a 1-0 <laughs> game. But, but uh, I'm, I'm glad right, it got it extended. Added, <laughs> it added to the drama. I think probably if you're a casual fan watching that, maybe you're rooting for the underdog like that, maybe even made you root for him a little bit harder. That's right, so absolutely. I so I, I think that it was it was great. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything like. And then the penalty kick shootout, like you know, it wasn't just like you know the one team makes all five and the other one you know saves one. I mean, like saving multiple PKs like doesn't happen. Oh my all that goodness! Often. Right. I think I think that was only like the eighth time in in the modern era that that somebody has saved three penalty kicks in a shootout. And so so it doesn't happen often, but. When it happens in front of thirty thousand screaming fans and uh, and on national television, I think that was kind of if you're going to be scoreless, you go to penalty kicks and you have a dramatic shootout. So it was kind of I got I got my my wish list as far as uh, trying to appeal to casual soccer fans. 
Well, one of the things about the schedule, kind of go back to that uh, before you, well, actually, I'll have you preview this game. Uh, but one of the difficulties with the games being scheduled this week, of course, Gold Cup's going on, and you've got some players taken away. So when we're looking at this game tonight, uh, New England Revolution taking on the New York Red Bulls, of course, the Revolution don't have Kellen Rowe. They don't have Juan Agadello. So how do you see this one playing out tonight, Josh? Yeah, and, and I think the FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City game suffered from that as well, and, yep. and losing like I think each team has a couple couple players missing, a couple key players. And you know, I, I I guess so many people have said that the answer to to our scheduling issues is to wait for an international break and play the Open Cup games on there because maybe the star players wouldn't play anyway. Although you know, there are a lot of teams that would dispute that because there are a lot of teams that play really good lineups in the Open Cup, but. But as far as the uh, you know New York and, and New England go, like I don't know, like it, it's it's so hard to tell what is going to happen when you when you bring in sort of un I don't, don't want to say unproven guy. I'm sure that there's going to be some experienced players in there, but players you don't see every game out there, and uh, and you kind of like throw some new ingredients into the pot, and 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 sometimes you, sometimes you get huge blowouts, and sometimes you get uh, snoozers. You never really know what you're going to get, but. But it's uh, but for this one, like playing New England, playing playing on the road, they've they've played in the Open Cup pretty well recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Red Bulls, geez, oh, Pete, can these guys win a trophy? <laughs> like I, I think it, there's there's going to be a year where they're finally going to win the Open Cup or win something. And I think uh, either one is kind of compelling because neither one has won. You know, it doesn't have like a huge trophy case. So I think if you're a, a casual fan, maybe you you root for whoever comes out of this to finally, uh, you know. Be, get off the schneid for uh, for trophies. Have you had any disappointments at all based off of this tournament sometimes from your uh, from your perspective? I know that, you know, you obviously have this this grand picture in your head that you're like, okay, it would be really good for the tournament if this this and this happened. Um, but obviously that, you know, the soccer gods like to laugh at anything that we try to, you know, dream up, of course, but uh, has there been any disappointments or any just negative surprises for you at all from how this tournament has played out this season? I mean, there's always I think whenever I cover each tournament i i tend to root for storylines and you know it would be you know like you said like it would be great if you know that that's pretty much or, or i i root for yeah maybe new teams to win you know like uh, somebody you know, some some fresh blood to to get in and, and get a taste of give those fans a taste of what the tournament is like you know that's kind of like where my i, I don't really have any rooting interest specifically but storylines would be great and of course storylines come with the the amateur teams and it would we it would have been so great to see a few more of the amateur teams get mm-hmm. through you know and, and the you know, like the michigan bucks gave it gave st louis fc a good run for their money uh, playing at home that was that was kind of a missed opportunity you know uh reading uh, reading united had a chance to to get through they were playing harrisburg at home and you know harrisburg has a great open cup resume for sure but but they you know this year they're not exactly a juggernaut i was thinking like that could be that could be a uh, upset material there um and of course we had christos fc and and yep. the, the eric winalda and the la wolves so there were a lot of like it would have been nice to see maybe one more of those rather than just seeing the christos uh, uh the christos guys get through but um you know i mean it, that's that's kind of what makes the tournament great you never know what's going to happen and some years it's nuts <laughs> with with the upsets and uh and, and sometimes it's not so it, i think this year has been a, a decent collection of uh of upsets there there haven't been as many but 
having a couple of uh, lower division teams playing in the quarterfinals is uh, kind of a treat because we're at least guaranteed to have at least one underdog story in the summer. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. Well, well, Josh, we uh, we obviously love talking with you about the U.S. Open Cup and could certainly do it for hours on end. But uh, we unfortunately have to let you run, but we appreciate your time, of course, and your continued uh, dedication to the U.S. Open Cup and continuing to grow that here in the United States and around the world as well, too. So a very special thanks for stopping by the program and for all that you do as well, sir. All right, anytime. My pleasure. Thanks, Absolutely. Josh. We'll talk to you soon. There goes Josh Hakala on the shopfutsal.com call in line. We're going to dive into the MLS All Star game and much more when we come back. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Back with more after this. Back here on Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Proban. Finishing things up today, a big special thanks to a good friend of the show, Josh Hakala, for stopping by the program. It was great to hear his insights, and just in general, have him back on the program as well, too. Now, Simon's U.S. Open Cup itch has been officially scratched, at least for a couple of days, maybe. Yeah, not until I watch that FC Cincinnati true. Miami <laughs> FC game. That's true. That's going to be a fun one. That uh, that game is uh, taking place. Uh, it's been postponed, so that's going to be taking place right. again soon, obviously. Uh, second, uh, the third of the four remaining games uh, for the quarterfinals. The Galaxy falling to San Jose, as we mentioned, of course, three to two. It's born in Kansas City, of course. That three zero victory over FC Dallas as well, too. So hopeful. I'm hopeful for my revolution, but I'm not not getting too hopeful at the same time. So we we obviously know what Josh's thoughts are about all these games, but. Uh, straying over to Major League Soccer as a whole. The All-Star game right around the corner, Simon, of course. Uh, the Fan 11, the fans have mm, spoken. Yes. And uh, it looks about what we thought it would look like, in all honesty. Yeah, however, and I know uh, you can call me biased here, but Diego Valeri not being on here? Yeah, it's a little surprising. I'm not going to lie. And, and people are going to say, well, who would you take off? Michael Bradley. Yeah, 100%. Get Diego Valeri for Michael Bradley. Get him out. Get him absolutely out. Yeah, here's the fan 11. Tim Howard, Greg Garza, Graham Zuzzi, Demarcus Beasley, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Miguel Almiron, Kaká, Michael Bradley, Nemanja Nikolic, David Villa, and Sebastian Jovinko. Was Nikolic. Nikolic. I'm sorry, Nikolic. Right. Uh, and Jovinko was actually the FIFA player. Uh, the most goals scored for FIFA 17 and all the whatever right. contests they run with that. But still. I like that, that, that front three. I, I have no yeah. arguments against that front three. The midfield, I mean, I feel like uh, Miguel Almeron is, is a good player, but I could see I would put Valerian for either him or Bradley, in all honesty. Yeah, I'm just looking at goalkeeper. Does Tim Howard really deserve it this no. year? A thousand percent no. But you're also looking at it. Here's how it works with the fans, though. As soon as the big roster is announced, as soon as you say, oh, MLS is going to play Manchester United. Oh, we're going to play this year Real Madrid. You're not going to stick the best MLS goalkeeper in there because you know he's going to get just blitzkrieged. That's what the fans' thoughts are, at least. Say that again? Blitzkrieged. No, I mean, the, the, your whole thought process. The whole thought process is that yeah. when you hear who the big person is. So I don't. So right now, the Chicago Fire and Toronto FC have the two best records, which in a sense means their goalies are playing really well as well, among other factors, of course, how you want to break it down. But basically, I, my thought process is with this is I think that fans look at who the opponent is, and they say, okay, this year we're playing Real Madrid. You know, years past it's been United and other players, teams in that regards. And they say, 
we need to vote in a goalkeeper that actually has experience. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they would rather have a Tim Howard who's got the national team experience, who's got the Premier League experience against high-talented players, instead of saying, well, Chicago Fire are playing well this year. Who's their goalkeeper this year? Let's vote him in. His team is doing well in the league. Well, that's, I, think, I think some people's thought process is, well, yeah, he's doing well against MLS players. Is he going to stop Ronaldo's shots? Is he going to stop this, 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 and this person's shots? I think that's part of it. And I think that's why Nick Romando, I think, has stopped being voted in to an extent. Well, he's having a rough season, though, too. He has you been, know, yeah. I, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, Nick Romando has been, uh, I think we may be seeing the, the tail end of his career. I think and so. He's, he's, been, he's been fantastic, no doubt about that. Yes. I mean, I, I'm looking at the goalkeeper right now. The best goalkeeper for saves is Bill Hamid. That, no, no way he's... <laughs> So uh, goals against, well, I mean, you, I look at the top three goalkeepers statistically for saves: Bill Hamid, Joe Bendick from mm-hmm. Orlando, Luis Robles, Bobby Shuttleworth, Tim Melia. I wouldn't trust any of those goalies. Maybe Luis Robles. Maybe I don't trust any of those. And I'll be honest, I don't trust all five of those to to put up a respectable performance. Just looking at goals against here too, Baxter. Um, it's tough because the. The league's website is not the greatest. It's a really list. strange website. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to do the same thing, and I'm just like, but how does it? <laughs> how does this work? Because you know the thing about saves. Yeah, you got to make them, but it also speaks to how poorly your right your defense well, look is playing. At, look at the teams: DC United, Orlando. The Red Bulls are okay, but Minnesota last in the league. Sporting Kansas City, they're doing decent. Tim Malia, but. That's also because the defense has been all over the place for Sporting Kansas City this year as well, too. What about Andre Blake? He made the team last year. Right. He was Looked a phenomenal. Good. I thought he was a great uh, player last 1. year. 1.18 uh, goals against average. I mean, yeah. I mean, statistically goals against average, Tim Malia has got a, a .7. So, I mean, he's... Right. Now that's another good name. Uh, what about what about Bono for Toronto? Yeah, I mean he's been playing great this year, right? Uh, Matt Lampson, I mean for Chicago right now, a point six percent goals against average. But at the same time, you really want Matt Lampson as the MLS representing the MLS All Star team? Well, if if you're voting in what this game is actually supposed to be, if if you're voting in what the spirit of the MLS All Star game is supposed to be, Baxter, right? Uh, then yes, you do. You know, if you're looking at of this course. as more of an international competition, which I uh, think fans do when they which vote at this, They're I think like, that's wrong. I, I, I mean, because there's the last couple of games. I mean, we got humiliated by Manchester United several times, and then oh, yes, a couple times when we beat what I mean, beat were, Chelsea. They beat, beat Chelsea. Chelsea. They beat obviously West Ham of or uh, Fulham. Yeah. They beat Celtic. Yeah, so there's there's been these games, and they lost to penalty kicks to Everton. So, like, there's been these couple of games, but I think the recent history for All Star games, aside from maybe one or two. Or even when Bayern Munich came to town as well, too, and there was the whole handshake gate, you know, there between Porter and, yeah, well, I, Pep I and all that. Other than those, than, than that uh, Manchester, those Manchester United games, I wouldn't say they've been humiliated. I mean, they no, sh- I they don't sh- think so. They, they'd shown well against Arsenal last year. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's when you gotta. The league has to decide. Then is it is it truly an all star game? Do the fans understand what an all star game is supposed so. to be? And if not, if you're looking at it as more of an international friendly basically then then say that yeah i would agree with don't you call that. it an all-star game you got to find a different name for it yeah exactly i mean i'm looking at the best starting goalkeeper right now tim malia started 20 games this season he's only allowed 14 goals this season jesse gonzalez is 15 games uh, also allowed 14 goals as well too so the, in, in a sense those are your two best goalies tim malia jesse gonzalez i don't have a problem with either of those guys but it's not a sexy name 
And I think that's what some well, fans do. Well, of course. Do. I mean, and every sport deals with that. Of course. I know it comes down to a popularity contest. 100%. I get that. But yeah, Michael Bradley, we could sit here for hours and just say how he's been atrocious and just doesn't deserve to be in the, at least the starting 11. But yeah, no, I, yeah, again. Once again, it's the international experience of Michael Bradley and the U.S. homeboy that he is. Yeah, and I'm not saying that he's, he's playing horrible. I just don't think, uh, listen, I think he's actually deserving to be on this team, just not in the in the. The fans starting 11. Right. I'm surprised people haven't been like complaining or for those casual fans being like, why can't I vote for Christian Pulisic? Why can't I put him on this team? Be like, okay, <laughs> you just need to stop right now. But where's Sasha Kleshton? That's my question about this. Where's Jordan Morris? Aren't those guys? I mean, Jordan Morris doesn't make sense to me because he's got three insane guys ahead of him to try to beat out. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. As a you know, this question warrant being in over the guys that that are on this team right now. Right. And that's the thing. When you have literally just, when you have to say, okay, give me the four best midfielders in MLS, that's a hard thing to do right now, especially with the way that Chicago's guys have been playing through, through and through. I mean, and even Atlanta as well, too. Absolutely. It's it's hard to... And the Chicago one, I'll tell you what, that's the easiest argument to make because Chicago did almost a 180 once Schweinsteiger arrived. And granted, um, it's also because of, of having... Dax McCarty in that midfield, Janino in that midfield, being able to re- release Schweinsteiger to go up and play with some freedom. Uh, but still, he has he has turned that club around. Right, Chicago and Toronto both have yet to lose at home this season. Which, by the way, I want to point out that so many people were saying, "Do you really think Schweinsteiger is going to come in and really make that much of a difference on this show?" I came right out and said, "Yes, absolutely, I yep. think he will," and you fully agreed with that. Uh, so a yeah, little little pat on the there back of ourselves. Here Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, eleven three and five for both Chicago and TFC. They have five points ahead of the third place NYCFC, and they've got six points on Sporting Kansas City. If we're going based off of Supporter Shield standings, so well done for both. Yeah, and uh, to, before we close out our MLS All Star talk here, Baxter Kaká doing his job for the league. By the way, coming out and and telling uh, the media that uh, well. The MLS All-Star side will play a very tight game and meet as equals with Real Madrid. <laughs> Sounds good, Kaká. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, aside from that, we, we joked about this off the air and in general joke about this anytime these articles come out. Uh, strength of schedule articles. They're always funny to, to see. You hear yes. about this in every sport before the season begins. And I think this is, somehow, this is how certain fans or media members justify their power rankings or other things like that as well, too, saying like, well... Look at you know the Green Bay Packers. Their strength of schedule is 17th, oh, so it'll be an easy year. Oh, look at the Philadelphia Union. They've got the the seventh strength hardest schedule this year. Like you can go back and forth with that. So right now, the Philadelphia Union, at least according to MLSsoccer.com, have the hardest, most difficult schedule the rest of the season. Yeah. So this strength Does of schedule <laughs> is based off of. Let's see here. Taking the average points per game at home and on the road for each team's opponent. Yep. So. 1.59 Philadelphia has for strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. RSL, 1.06. So, Baxter, you're talking about a separation of 0.53. I warned you that I would do this very early in this conversation. Oh, yeah. It's almost pointless to me. To, it is. To, because the other thing this doesn't factor in, then, is the first half of the season. Yep. Exactly. Because basically, for the teams that have a uh, more difficult strength of schedule now... They had a m- less difficult strength of schedule in the first half of the right. season. So you had some teams that were front-loaded with road games that are now going to be back-loaded with home games. Yep. So it's to me, it's I, I don't know. I, I get the point of it, that you can look at it and perhaps help 
you determine, not you personally, the proverbial <laughs> you, the uh, people. figure out, I mean, maybe maybe this is more about looking at the playoff hunt and how difficult is this going to be for teams. But but even then, you know, the, the article goes on on MLSsoccer.com talking about how Portland has the most difficult strength of schedule for those teams in the playoff hunt. But you're talking about a separation of, let's see here, I do some quick math, 0.16 between Portland and Philadelphia. Uh, Portland and the next Western club is Minnesota. 0.02. <laughs> So it's again, it's basically pointless. It really is when you're looking at that. Yeah, it really is. Quick update on the standings for you as well too. In the East, the Fire, TFC, NYCFC, Atlanta, Orlando, and Columbus, all sitting in the six playoff spots right now. Uh, looking over in the Western Conference, SKC, FC Dallas, Houston, Portland, San Jose, and Vancouver are your six playoff teams as of right now. But that battle between five and eight, and uh, pretty much every conference is. Pretty close, except for except for the East, five and six in the East, the twenty nine and twenty eight points. They've got uh, two or three points respective on that seventh place Red Bulls team, and then the Union are much farther back and from the rest of the pack as well too. So, team's starting to pull away at this point. Well, yeah, and Portland actually is is not looking as pretty as they may seem, even in that fourth spot. Baxter, they're only averaging one point three five points per game. They've got. Well, they've got three games in. Uh, Vancouver has three games in hand mm. on Portland. San Jose has one game in hand. So if San Jose wins that one game, they're now above Portland. If Vancouver wins either of their two games, they're now above Portland. Uh, or if they win and draw one of those games, so Portland really is looking more like a sixth seed at this point. Uh, so yeah, this uh, this Western Conference it'll be interesting for as you said four through eight, four through seven with Seattle also sitting there with 24 points on 19 games. So if Seattle ends up winning, Portland and Seattle are tied on points. So uh, that's that's always one of the aggravating things about the MLS schedule yeah. is how unbalanced uh, the scheduling is with where teams are. And I get it's because of CONCACAF Champions League. It's because of U.S. Open Cup play. Right. Uh, but but it, it, I, am, I am thankful, as much as I harp sometimes on this website, I am thankful for the points per game stat being there, because I, I think that helps more than anything. I think so. I absolutely agree with you on that one, Simon. Well, we got to get out of here. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, two great guests today as well, too, with Morgan Bryan from the Houston Dash stopping by, and from Josh Hakala of the Cup.us as well, too. So two great guests. Uh, you can go check them out, of course, on their respective social media channels to get the insight on what they do on a daily and weekly basis. Uh, and, of course, you can get all the information you need to know about our show on our website, the number 2, 2upfrontsoccer.com. You can also listen to our show on numerous platforms on iHeartRadio. Just download the app or search for us on a web browser. We're on the iTunes podcast directory. We are also on Spreaker.com and numerous other places where you consume your podcasts as well, too. So we appreciate your listenership. Yeah, make sure you check us out on Facebook, too, up front in the search bar. You'll find us there. Hey, give us a like and a share. We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, give us a follow on Twitter. That is at 2UpFrontSoccer. If you want to dig into our personal lives a little bit, check out at Baxter Colburn and at Simon Provan. Yes, indeed. A very special thanks once again to all of our guests who appeared on the shopfutsal.com call in line. And a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Three Lines Pub, for their continued support of Two Up Front as well. For Simon Provan, I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are Two Up Front.
Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. 